Welcome to the Cold Brew Podcast. I'm Dave Gasper, joined as always by Matt Carroll. You know who we are, you know what we do, and uh, you know that we are very upset at the results of the Brewer game uh, last night here and the night before, and all of it uh, the last two days has just been depressing because it's the Cubs. Mm. Nobody likes them. They are jerks. Uh, no one likes when, when they come to play at Miller Park. But, unfortunately, the Cubs have won uh, the last two games here against the Brewers. The Brewers had an incredible comeback on Monday against the Cubs, which was fantastic. Uh, but it's been all kind of downhill a little bit since then. Some uh, big opportunities to win, some games that they should have won but did not. And it's uh, it sucks. But uh, the Brewers end up now two games back in the division. But it's they're still within striking distance. We got a lot to talk about. We got the draft coming up. We got we got so much to fit in here. And we're starting to record very late at night after a depressing Brewers loss. Matt, how you doing? Um I been better. Like I said I, I'm I'm not it sucks because it's against the Cubs. Like if this yeah. if these last three games were against anyone else but the Cardinals, we would be saying, Man, this has been a crazy series so far, but because it's the Cubs it stings that much worse. But, like, keeping things in perspective, the Brewers are still in the middle of this, like, 17 games in 17 days. They've played 13 of them so far. They're 8-5 and five in those 13. All but the last two are on the road. So, like, all in all, they're in, they're doing very decently in this most recent stretch. But when that, uh, when that happens against the Cubs, and they had no business winning that first game. They had to come down from a six-run, come back from a six-run deficit. Like, they should have lost that one, too. This could be – this had as much of a chance of being a three-game losing streak as a three-game winning streak with how insane these last three days have been. So it's been it's been interesting. I'll give it that. But yeah. losing back-to-back to the Cubs in late fashion just – that stings, man. It hurts. It hurts. It, it's a kick to the nuts. It's It's what it is. Uh, Brian Anderson called it a gut punch on the air because I'm pretty sure he can't say kick to the nuts on the air. <laughs> uh, but since we are a podcast, we have different rules to abide by, <laughs> but that's, that's what it is. It's suck it, it FCC. Yeah. It, it, it's a kick to the nuts. That, that, that's what it was. That, that's what these past two games have been. Uh, I, I was there for the, for the game on the 4th of July and it's like, okay, like they're, they're coming back and they're able to, to tie it up and it's like, okay, here we go. We got the opportunities right in front of us and just poor base running, just awful base running. Uh, some really poor decisions, some, some mistakes uh, that uh, you really don't see made very often contributing to that Brewers loss uh, and a, a whole bunch of roof shenanigans uh, that was absolutely wild. We'll get into that as well. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's just, it was just mistakes. Mistakes that we haven't really seen them make a lot of lately. Um, you know, some aggressive sends by Jason Lane, if you want to call it that. Some some base running mistakes. Owen Miller uh, making some base running mistakes, just kind of stopping between first and second. Uh, Monasterio getting a bad jump on the base hit. Um, Owen Miller getting thrown out again at, at home plate. Uh, and then... Today, you know, Owen Miller not able to make the pick. I'm saying Owen Miller a lot. Huh, interesting. There's, there, there's a common thread here with the past two days. He, Owen Miller's had a rough past two days. Let's, yeah. let, let's be honest. He's had a rough rough couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I hate giving credit to Cubs players, but credit to Ian Happ. He made two perfect throws yesterday mm-hmm. for the Brewers to not be able to pull off the win. The second one was the one probably that had the best chance of scoring, which is when Owen Miller got thrown out the plate. Owen Miller's not slow. Like he's 92nd yeah. percentile in sprint speed, which I was floored to find out. So it required a, and that said the hit also wasn't deep, uh, right. but it required a perfect throw and catch and tag, which if you've seen pictures since then, uh, hmm. the ball was not in the glove on that tag. So that is yet another little gut punch. Like, of course, the uh, ump's not going to see it. But right. the catcher had the ball in his bare hand. 
and tagged with the glove. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of together, but the hand hand comes out yeah. oh, with the ball beating him there, and you know clearly getting Miller before he touched the plate. It's yeah. gonna be hard for any sort of umpire to of to go safe. And even if you try to review it, is that something you can really overturn? Yeah, probably not. So yeah, it, it, it's it, it wasn't even until the next morning that any well or like way way later that night that anyone was able to see it. So I don't know that they would have had a view on it yeah like it's yeah that's tough i don't like yeah so that sucked um and then yeah owen miller again today he misses the pick at first on the same day that rowdy gets put on the injured list so yeah we got that to talk about as well rowdy telez with forearm inflammation now i posited that perhaps this came from snapping his bat in half after striking out late in the game on Tuesday uh, that caused this forearm inflammation. But apparently, according to Craig Council, this is something that Rowdy has been dealing with for quite some time, uh, that he's been trying to to fight through, and, and they finally just got to the point where they just couldn't go through with it, uh, and they had to put him on the IL, just kind of give him a rest. And, you know, that could explain, if this has indeed been going on for some time, that could explain the power outage that Telez has been suffering from and the massive slump that he's been in for the past month and a half. Uh, but, you know, I, I get wanting to go out there and play every day and, and play through injury, play through whatever else. But when you're slumping that bad mm-hmm. for an extended period of time, and you know you've got this thing, this injury that you're dealing with, and you're slumping that bad for that long, how do you not be like, you know what, maybe this is impacting me more than I thought, I need to put myself on the IL and get this thing right because you let it go for a month and a half. He was at a 900 OPS. He's now at like 675. Like, like how do you not like see like, okay, after two weeks, clearly not getting better. Clearly you're not hitting well. Be like, you know, this must be impacting me. Let's give it 10 days and come back and see if it's better. Like that's, that, that's what I would think you would do. But of course I'm not a professional athlete, but that it makes sense to me. Yeah, hundred percent makes sense. But I also get that like these guys are gamers. They want to go out there and battle with their guys every day that they possibly can. So and sports is often about, you know, powering yourself through injuries. So like I get it. Um but we yes, hundred percent like we've seen exactly what can happen when players try and continue battling through Injuries, just look at Yelich over the years. Like, he's he had mm-hmm. had that kind of chronic back thing. And even when it was minor, he would try and play through it and just never looked the same. And, you know, it a lot of times it took making him sit, putting him on the IL before he'd finally kind of start to look decent again. But, he, you know, you've got Yelich wanting to play up to that contract, wanting to help his team win games. Same thing, I'm sure, with Rowdy, especially as you're seeing the Brewers, you know, just hover right right above that 500 line, struggling to separate themselves from the pack in the NL Central. Now they're back two games, but, you know, they've been wanting to try and, as they've got that division lead back, stretch it out and just haven't been able to. And I'm sure Rowdy feels bad and, you know, wants to do everything he can to get the Brewers going. But it's yet another example of how, Baseball is a marathon, not a sprint. You have to consider the long-term goal or the, the, yeah, the long-term goal. And when stuff like that pops up, you know, mentioning it to Craig Council, it being like, Skip, I, I think something's off. What do we do about this? So, yeah, it's the, the smart thing, of course, like in retrospect now is to say, like, you should have said something and, you know, gotten that rest earlier. But, but I get it. Like, you're a competitive guy. I'm a competitive guy. Yeah. Like, you know, we're, we're, it, had we been in the same situation with much better athleticism than we have right now, we would have probably wanted to do the same thing, right? Right, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, it, when, when you make it to that, you don't make it to that level by, you know, injuries popping up, being like, oh, I got I got to sit out. You, yeah. know, you don't make it that far with that kind of mentality, which I get, um, but the, that's where, yeah, at the same time, it's, it's hindsight that I'm looking at this with. Absolutely. 
it's hard to ask a competitor, especially one like Rowdy Telez, to take yourself out. Um, you know, even with a massive slump going on, uh, it's it, it's a tough situation all around. But finally, they reached the point where he had to go on the IL. So the Brewers make some changes. Brian Anderson comes back from the paternity list. And the temporary uh, fix, Jemai Jones, uh, ends up staying around, uh, ends up keeping it a bit longer than temporary because Jemai Jones, ah. his Brewers debut, we got to talk about this as well. Yes. Jemai Jones, he's, he comes in, the Brewers sign him, they put Anderson on the paternity list. Everyone is like, who in the world is Jemai Jones? I have never heard of this man before. Is he even a real person? <laughs> I don't know. I have like everyone's just kind of looking at Jemai Jones. Who in the world is he? Opted out of a minor league deal with the Dodgers. He was a former top 100 prospect uh, with with the Angels and then the and then the Orioles. Bounced around. Hasn't really done much at the big league level. Comes in six six to three game. Bases are loaded. Is a pinch hitter. And first pitch, ropes a double to dead center. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely insane, legendary. And that's what led to that massive comeback win on Monday. And, Matt, Matt, there's no better way to introduce yourself to a new team, a new fan base. He had apparently known only seven guys on the team. <laughs> He'd only played with two of them previously. Like He knew absolutely nobody. He just showed up and hit a game-tying double. And he had no idea what was going on with everyone else, but everyone just loves him. And we are firmly putting Jemai Jones into the legendary category. Brewers legend Jemai Jones. No matter what he does for the rest of his career, no matter what he does in Milwaukee after this, Jemai Jones, Brewers legend. Right? We still talk about Nate Orff and hitting that yes. home run. And I think Jesus lifting him up into the air and like, yeah. And Manny Pena. God, I miss them both. Yeah, I know. Right. Um, so like, yeah, you do stuff like that. It doesn't even matter what the rest of your career ends up looking like, like, yes, you're hundred percent legend status for good at that point. And yeah, Jones could get DFA tomorrow and we'll, we'll talk about him for years, especially since he did it against the Cubs, like especially. that doubles your legend status. If you do it against the Cubs, Exactly. Cubs or Cardinals, you you hit something like that. Instant legend. Mm-hmm. Uh, just absolutely fantastic. It was his first at-bat in the big leagues since 2021. I mean, it's it's been a while for him. Uh, and just an incredible, incredible moment. Incredible win that day. And ends up getting the start at DH on Wednesday. And just, he gets on base, man. Mm-hmm. So uh, we might be seeing him around, but... Uh, because Jemai Jones stuck around, uh, there's uh, another infielder that had to get booted from the roster, and that was Babe Brasso. Yeah. Mike Brasso gets the DFA. He was hitting so bad mm-hmm. down in AAA Nashville. Uh, so he gets the boot. And, uh, Matt, I think we were expecting a lot more from Brasso when the season began, but it's just been a, a disappointing season for him all the way around and the fact that he wasn't even able to figure it out at triple a is uh is, is a problem and that's what led to that's what led to this dfa yeah it, you've got to be able to hit down there at the very least you yeah. know, at least keston Jurek can hit down there yeah exactly um so pinch hitter extraordinaire mike brasso that sucks because man was he great in those positions um and did decently enough usually against left-handers, which that that sucks that you lose, you know, a potential option there. But yeah, he was hitting what I what I say was yesterday, 188 or 186 or something like that. Yeah. Um, in his limited time down in AAA, that's not going to cut it. And when you're needing every bit of those roster spots, and I've kind of mentioned in the past, like when offense is at a premium for this team, and it's been better for the last couple weeks, I will give it that. But still, especially against lefties, offense is at a premium. You need to be keeping guys on that 40-man roster who are, you know are going to be able to contribute at some point. And Brasso had just lost that at this point. Um, he, on top of that, like it's not like he, he's got utility. He can play multiple positions, but it's not like he is 
over the top outstanding defensively at any of those positions. So it's not like you're losing that from the organization. It sucks because I think we all liked him. Um, you know, he's a good story. Whenever he came in, he had a lot of big moments for the Brewers, especially again in those pinch hitting situations. But yeah, it, he got squeezed off. And then you have, you know, a Jemai Jones who comes in and does that. And an Andrew Monasterio who had cooled off for a little bit lately, but is at least doing some things for the big league ball club. Like, yeah, it, they're just ran out of room. It's as simple as that. And so, yeah, we'll see if, uh, if he gets claimed, if he becomes a minor leaguer, uh, if he becomes a free agent, not quite sure what will end up happening there. So um, I don't know if he's off the top of my head, if he's been around long enough where he can refuse an assignment. Or refuse to be outrighted? Uh, he has just three years of MLB service oh, okay. time. So it's not... Okay. So, yeah, I guess there's there's options on the table, so we'll see what ends up happening, really. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, but that was kind of part of the big news. There were a lot of roster moves that, that yeah. went down. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Brasso uh, getting DFA'd and Telez for the IL were the big ones. Uh, there's also some shuffling out there in the bullpen. Clayton Andrews and J.B. Pekoskis. Kuskuskus goes back down. Uh, and coming up is Tyson Miller and J.C. Mejia. Uh, so some more shuffling in the long relief or, or the middle relief rolls as Brewers are down to seven relievers in the bullpen. Uh, let's see. Elsewhere, what have we got going on? Uh, in the world of the Brewers, oh yeah, we got to we got to talk about the roof thing. So, oh god, so it's it's the Fourth of July, all right, national holiday, all right, and you got a flyover coming in. Everyone knows it because it's the Fourth of July. You're going to have a flyover. It's a beautiful, gorgeous, partly cloudy day in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and someone at the Brewers prior to the game decides to close the roof like i'm i'm sitting there and all of a sudden i just see the roof start closing i'm like what in the world are we doing i check i check the radar on my phone there's nothing absolutely nothing and it's it stays closed for for a couple of minutes as and we're still there pre-game and we're starting to sweat because it's a sauna in there because it's 90 degrees and we've closed the roof and then, shortly before the game starts, it starts opening back up. <laughs> it decide, I guarantee you, someone some, someone in management, someone way up above, came down and said, open that damn roof. We got a flyover coming in. The Blackhawks are already on their way. Open the damn roof. We're not having another opening day situation where mm-hmm. a flyover comes over and the roof is closed and no one can see it. What's the point? Someone came down and told them to open the damn roof. And sure enough, it opens. The roof is still finishing opening. It, it's not fully open by the time the flyover comes ahead. Four Blackhawk helicopters uh, for the 4th of July, a combat veteran singing the national anthem, giant flag on the field, so patriotic. God, I loved it. <laughs> Amazing. Fireworks going off. So American. So the roof opens back up. Solid. So you... You've got a game with the roof open, which is during the yeah. summer, what every brewer's family. Yeah, beautiful day. Okay, so we're going along. And, yeah, I saw the picture you posted of the radar. I think there was, like, a little spot down by, like, Kenosha Yeah, or something. like Oak Creek or something. It's like, that's not by the ballpark. Far south. But worth noting, at least, there, there was at least something. Not Probably not enough to close the roof at that point, but this will come into play later. There was something. Okay, so... We go along a little farther, and I'm at home. You're live tweeting from the game, and all of a sudden you tweet that the roof is closing again. So when you do this, I'm going, okay, I'm going to check the radar this time. And I check the radar, and sure enough, there's a, there's a little little baby splotch sitting over about Oconomowoc. Oconomowoc, mm-hmm. 20, 25 uh, minutes down the road or so. Yeah. Um, for those who it's coming there. exactly so there's something again small but we've seen the brewers overreact to small things with rain <laughs> with the roof before we've also seen them not act quickly enough and have it rain uh, quickly through the little cracks so you know things like that happen but we've got a little something coming so 
roof starting to close. Roof stops midway. <laughs> yeah. It, crazy enough, as you post a picture about, and then the roof closes all the way, correct? Yeah. So, like, it stops halfway, which I didn't even know they, they could do. It stopped, like, like middle of the thing. I'm like, uh, is this thing stuck? Like, they already they already closed it and opened it once. Like, are they able to do it multiple times? Is, is it going to break? But, like, it stops midway. And we're, we're kind of theorizing, like, okay, they want it, like, they want to wait till it gets closer, but this time, like, if it actually shows up, um, they, they can close it a lot more quickly because it's already halfway done. And if it doesn't rain, they're still fine and they can, they can open it back up. So it's like, okay, or maybe they just want to keep it open for a bit longer so that we're not all dying, like, we're in a sauna in there for the rest of the game. But then, then they just. They just do it like piece by piece. Then the third base side uh, of the roof continues closing all the way. The the first base side, the right side, is still a half click short. It, it's still open. So there's a tiny sliver open on the right side for a couple of minutes. And then finally, a few minutes later, the right side fully closes. Hmm. And I'm just like, what is happening here, I have never seen them do the meal, the, the roof so piecemeal like mm. this, where they do half and then one side finishes and then the other side. Like, like I've never seen them do this before. And it still never rained. It still no. did not rain outside of Miller Park. It did not rain on Miller Park. Rain never came. It never arrived. No. And like they still slowly bit by bit. And I, I'm just wondering, what, what are they doing? Are they trying to leave it open for us so it's not a sauna? Are they waiting on the on, on the rain? I don't know. It was the strangest thing. I've never seen them do this with the roof before. And because of that, David Ross, the manager of the Chicago Cubs, also thinks that there are some shenanigans going on because he's never seen them do this do this with the roof before. And Matt, he had some pretty expletive latent comments yep. about the roof and the game really as a whole yesterday because he did get ejected. Uh, on the 4th of July as well. So along with first base coach Mike Napoli, I'm not sure what his yeah. beef was about. You don't see first base coaches ejected often, but still, David Ross had some comments. Yeah. So as best I could tell, because I actually unfortunately had the Cubs broadcast up yesterday, because that's all I had access to, um, it seemed as though, so Napoli got kicked out first. This is in the 11th inning. Um, the... At bat that he got kicked out of, the home plate umpire who didn't have a great game, but when they showed the ump scorecard this morning, it actually wasn't as bad as uh, I thought it might end up being. There were some questionable calls outside of that. He accidentally made the motion that he was ringing up the Cubs batter on strike two. And so apparently Mike Napoli thought that combined with his other... Strike guess, zone issues. Strike zone issues, if you want to call them that, was enough for Napoli to just go off. He gets kicked out. David Ross comes out, argues somewhat. Um, when he actually got tossed, he very calmly walked up to the home plate umpire and almost was like he had to have said, can you just kick me out too? Because he never started you said screaming. said magic word. Right. He had to, something. So... They get kicked out about that, and the post-game comments start with uh, David Ross going off about the umpire and the strike zone and all those things. Then he just casually happens to mention, and then also the roof closing in the eighth inning and that BS, except he didn't say BS. Mm -hmm. And then a, a reporter asks him another question that I was never able to actually catch, and he swears a bunch, I don't effing know whatever and then kind of leaves it at that and like like whoa what i'm sorry what like is he really it certainly felt as though he was insinuating shenanigans when it came to the brewers closing the roof when they did right before they were supposed to bat in the bottom of the eighth so the weird things about that as we've pointed out there was rain in the area and the Brewers notoriously jumped the gun on even small threats of rain. So, like, we could tell that there was rain. Like, you close the roof during yeah. rain. That's why you put a roof on. That's why you hashtag put a roof on it. Right? Exactly. Exactly. 
as as Rami would say. Yes. Uh, but yeah, he said they're closing the roof to get rid of the shadows late. There's a lot of BS that, that went on today. It's just really frustrating. Uh, and complain about that whole thing. But uh, look, I, I did see before they started closing the roof, the head groundskeeper went out and talked with the first mm-hmm. base umpire, who was a crew chief, to let them know what they were seeing on on the radar. Um, that you know, talk to them about closing the roof because the umpires have sole discretion. Well, once the game starts, it's you know the umpires have final say whether the roof closes or not. Uh, but the Brewers groundskeepers are going to be like, hey, we got rain coming, and if they say we got rain coming, more often than not, the uh, the umpires are going to be like, yeah, let's close the roof because they don't want to deal with the rain delay either. They they want right. to go back to their hotel and just be done with it. Uh, but yeah, so it's it's very funny. Uh, to me, coming from a guy on the Cubs, who <laughs> they canceled a game two hours before it was supposed to start on account of there was being there was rain in the forecast when it never actually rained and there was no rain in the forecast there was no rain on radar and they canceled the game because they needed a rest day for their bullpen and they're, now they're coming at us. For being like, oh, you're playing with the roof. What rain? Oh, it is so rich coming from them. From anyone else, it's just like, okay, whatever. But from the Cubs, are you really one to talk, Chicago? Are you really one to talk? Right. That's so many reasons that make this so ridiculous. On top of that, too, the Cubs still had at-bats to go in the game. You were going to benefit from the roof being closed, too. Yeah. it's it's not like the brew it's not like they did it before the bottom of the ninth where the Brewers thought they were gonna you know be able to walk off in that situation, so just all kind of ridiculous. But then the next day today, Craig Council gets the chance to weigh in on the situation, and his response I thought was great because especially if you read it in Craig Council speak, like it's his perfect kind of deadpanish, wry bit of sarcasm. The, the first the first part of it, you know, he goes on and says, um, you know, it has a little bit of a realistic look to it. And I'm sure he, he started it with, look, and then comes out with the quote. <laughs> it's always been like whether or not uh, the field gets tarped, it's the decision of the team before the game starts. And then, as you said, once the game starts, it sits in the umpire's hands. The umpires have always said, if you think it's going to rain, close the roof so we don't have a rain delay. Cool. That all makes sense. And then is the classic part where he says, that's the point of having a roof, I think, is to prevent it from raining. I can't control whether it was raining or not. I'm not in the roof business. I don't want to be in the roof business. It's a bad business to be in. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh, I'm not. Oh, I love Craig. Business. Thank you. And again, like just picture that—not in my voice, but Craig Council and his like kind of lower monotone, yeah. just hold, holding that like quaff of hair a little. Yeah, the, yeah, the hand through the hair and. He oh yeah, that. man. Uh, yeah, the I'm not in the roof business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he uh, shot uh, Kurt Hogue, who was the one who took down the quote. Um, I'm sure he shot him a little, little, little smirk, smirk, right? Little dad smirk, yeah. So it's leave it to Craig Council to, um, you know, put a good spin on it and kind of just he's not going to play those games. He never yeah. does. But he'll and still that's, that's a classy response yeah. too. You know, it, it's sarcastic, but also no expletives from Craig Council right. on this. You know, it, it, it's something that's. Uh, it's comments that are fun for the whole family, as as one could say. But yeah, it it was just insane, and and we've seen this before from uh, in interdivision managers, <coughs> Tony Larusa, excuse me. Uh, so yeah, we we've seen random complaints from them before, and not worried about it. Uh, but it didn't rain, but maybe rain would have been nice because the Brewers ended up losing, and maybe it could have given the Brewers uh, you know a little time to get their juices back flowing again. I don't know, but uh, yeah, so it's been a disappointing overall last two games for the Brewers uh, as, as they fall to the Cubs, but overall they're still in good shape. Uh, we enter the heart of July with, uh, with a lot going on and still in a, in a very good spot. And speaking of the heart of July coming up, 
This weekend, Sunday, Monday, mm-hmm. Tuesday, we have the MLB Draft. I don't have the sound effect, uh, but you're just going to have to deal with that. Uh, but yeah, so that's what you got, the MLB Draft coming up. Uh, this week, the Milwaukee Brewers pick 18th overall. They also hold the 33rd and 54th overall pick. Those are their first three selections. And they've got 21 overall in this draft, and it is going to be a whole lot of fun. We've got so much content going up right now on the site uh, about the draft. I have been plugging away. Uh, coming up here on uh, Thursday morning, I've got our pre-draft superlatives, mm-hmm. uh, which were a lot of fun to put together. Uh, by the way, so we got that to get into. We got uh, first round prospects, guys that fit the mold. Matt, are you ready? Are you psyched for the MLB draft? Are you as psyched as I am? I'm so psyched. <laughs> Let's go. Yeah. America. <laughs> that uh. too. <laughs> All right. So the MLB draft, the Milwaukee Brewers did not win a lottery pick. Uh, so they pick 18th overall and here's what the Brewers have done a lot in recent years. They have gone college hitters, Garrett Mitchell, 2020, Sal Freelich, 2021, Eric Brown Jr. in 2022. They have gone with hitters in the seven of the last eight drafts. Uh, they have gone college hitters. Uh, let's see in four of the last six. No, wait, five of the last seven of uh, going all the way back to Corey Ray. Corey Ray did not uh, work out very well. Uh, but the last high school bats in the first round was Bryce Terang. Their last pitcher in the first round was Ethan Small. And all signs are the Brewers are going college hitter again. According to every mock dress I've seen, every insider, there are like all the talk is college hitters at 18 overall. Matt, this doesn't surprise me. Uh, Really, frankly, the matter is who's going to be on the board at the time. Uh, There are several options. There's really kind of all the same tier of college bats that are, they're going to be going in that 11 to 20 ish range. The Brewers were towards the back end of that range, but they should still have a couple of options available to them. And before I get into them, Matt is, I know you haven't looked at, at the draft prospects as much as I have, but is there one that stands out to you that you want to see the Brewers get? I think there's a couple. Um, I've seen them pop up on some of the uh, roundups. I know you've mentioned a couple of them. Um, The two that stick out to me, one I've seen mocked to the Brewers a ton of times um, is Nolan, and I don't know how to pronounce the last name. Shanuel. Shanuel. Oh, I would not have guessed that. Shanuel? Shanuel? I don't know. Sure, sure. Let's say yes. Um, He's a first-base outfield prospect out of Florida Atlantic. Um, There were a bunch of good Florida schools uh, baseball-wise this year that made it in the um, college World Series or just short. Um, But um, I've seen him, pure hitter, he's got a little bit of power, um, but I've seen seen a ton of them mock him. He seems like he's going to land close to the Brewers. So um, I I like him. I like the thought of a guy who at least has the possibility of showing up at first base, whether or not that's where he would stick. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Then one of the other ones, um, and he's the number one guy you have um, in one of your recent articles. uh, Yep. That fit the mold. Uh, Matt Shaw, a shortstop out of Maryland. Um, we know the Brewers love targeting shortstops. They have done it all over the place, not just in the first round, um, not just in, among international signings, but they love guys who start off as primary shortstops because you can do kind of multiple things with them. Guys who start off as primary shortstops are generally pretty solidly athletic in the field, which is what gives you a little bit of that flexibility. Um, and yeah, he, again, good college hitter, um, above average hit tool, as you mentioned, but um, again, fits the Brewers mold. Definitely a guy that I could see them taking um, and kind of working with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Those those are two guys that I really like as well. Matt Shaw is, he's top on my board uh, for me in in terms of guys who will probably be available to them. 
uh, at 18 overall. And yeah, he fits the mold perfectly. Uh, he's an above average hitter. Uh, he, he also has above average power, uh, which hasn't been a, which hasn't been a requirement for the Brewers, uh, but it is certainly nice to have along with the plus hit tool, uh, the ability to stick up the middle. He can play multiple positions. Uh, so that is something that, that's certainly attractive. Super athletic, plus uh, runtime, 60-grade runner. So that's someone that really uh, is going to stick out. That kind of athleticism, which is something the Brewers love, athleticism, plus hit tools, stick up the middle. Those are the three key ingredients uh, the Brewers love in a hitting prospect. So Matt Shaw makes so much sense uh, to me. If he's on the board, I have a hard time seeing the Brewers passing him up. Uh, it, it just, it, it, the fit is, is too perfect. Yeah. Nolan Shanuel is, is a guy that I really like. And I would love for the Brewers to take a guy like him because they need help at first base. You know, you, you kind of need a long-term first baseman. The last, last time they had a long-term first baseman was Prince Fielder. And guess mm-hmm. what? They drafted him in the first round. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's kind of where you got to get them. Because they've gone with, oh, you can just kind of put anyone over there. It's been a rotating cast, and they've all really kind of been disappointing after a while. So I would like to see them grab a first baseman in the first round. I just don't see them doing it. I, I don't see them changing up their formula. Although, if there is one to change it up for, if you're just looking, like, forget the position. Just mm-hmm. look at the bat. Mm-hmm. His bat fits what the Brewers like. He is hit over power which is rare for a first baseman, but the hit is ridiculously good. And the power has really been coming around uh, in in the last year or so. So he's been able to add to the power. And the numbers he put up this year were just absolutely stupid at Florida <laughs> Atlantic. Just stupid numbers. So he ended the season. Let's see, once, uh, once it goes through here. Uh, he ended the season hitting 447, a 447 batting average, a 615 yeah. on base percentage. <laughs> on base, he got on base yeah. 61.5% of the time and an 868 slugging. That is good for a, what, 1480-something OPS? Yeah. 1480? Ridiculous. 19 homers. So it's not like he's got no pop. Mm-hmm. It's not like he's got no power. Eight, 19 homers this year. Also, more stupid numbers, 71 walks, and he struck out just 14 times in 200 at-bats. Mm-hmm. And he really got 270 plate appearances because of all the walks. But 270 plate appearances, 14 strikeouts. Yeah, absolutely absurd numbers that that he put up this year. Granted, it's Florida Atlantic. It's not an SEC school, but still, that's ridiculous. Yeah, that that 71 walks to 14 strikeouts ratio is is what absolutely stuck out to me as I was looking at those numbers, too. Um, And not yeah, it's not an SEC school, but in baseball, more than, you know, any other sport, does not entirely matter. Like the Brewers pull guys from junior colleges, mid majors, like stuff like that all the time. Mm-hmm. Guys emerge from mid majors constantly. Look at the freaking uh, how Oral Roberts did in yeah. the College World Series. There, there's a you know mid major college that went on a run and beat some very very good schools before they finally got knocked out. So you yeah. know players come from all over the place when it comes to MLB. So yeah, don't worry about that if if you're stuck on the school name and the fact that like he can play outfield is why I feel like, like maybe the Brewers could give that chance. Cause you know what? Fine. Doesn't stick at first base. Never hurts to have to constantly load up on outfielders. The Brewers love drafting, you know, outfielders with, you know, that have yeah. you no know, good hit tool, little bit of power, things like that. Like, like even if he's stuck at outfield, you're still making out pretty well. If he's able to stick at first base. Yeah. You've got your, First, you know, solid first base prospect in a long time. And Bruce could really use that, like, yeah. really use that in the organization. Yeah, they, they really could. They've ignored it for several years. 
and I understand the desire to get up the middle guys, get shortstops, mm-hmm. get center fielders. I get that. It yes. makes sense. But at some point, I think it's worth investing in corner guys because you've had problems at third base and at first base for years. And largely part of the problem is you haven't invested in it in the draft. You've invested in shortstops. You've invested in center fielders. You've invested in catchers and pitchers. But there are other positions, man, and Mm -hmm. they're important parts of the lineup. So I would love to see it. I don't think the Brewers will go that route unless Matt Shaw's off the board, Tommy Troy's off the board, uh, a couple of these other college bats are gone, and you're looking at, you know, Shanuel as as the best college bat remaining, then I could maybe see them going that route. Mm-hmm. But then there's also the potential of high school hitters uh, that they could go after. There's a lot of really good high school hitters uh, in this year's draft. Colin Houck uh, from Georgia, Arjun Namala from Florida, Aiden Miller, he's a third baseman uh, from from the state of Florida, high school player. Uh, he's a power bat, but I've I've heard I've seen his name connected to the Brewers a, a decent amount. Uh, there's you know a couple other ways that, that they could go. There's Colt Emerson. There's Kevin McGonigal, and uh, I saw this uh, today. Kylie McDaniel of ESPN finished his final top 300 prospects ranking, and in the write-up for Kevin McGonigal. He wrote that he's uh, let's let me let me pull it up here. Uh, I want to I want to quote accurately, uh, but he wrote something that made me think that okay, th- this is a guy that very well could end up being a brewer. Kevin McGonigal, a shortstop out of Monsignor Bonner High School in Pennsylvania. Sure. So he's ranked uh, down here in the 20s i believe now this dude could be an option at 18 or he could be an option at 33 if he potentially falls that far he's ranked 21 on the list but here here's what he wrote McGonagall fits the kind of hitter i've consistently been higher on than most of the industry pure hitter with shorter limbs medium power good not great defensive ability tyler black sal freelich and eric brown junior were this type and were all taken by the brewers so he listed three players from the last two drafts that all fit that exact profile, and mm-hmm. all three were drafted by the Brewers. I don't know, Matt. It sounds to me like this guy is is fits what the Brewers like. He does. Um, worth noting, though, that those three that the Brewers drafted were of that size and style coming out of college. Very so true. That's. It's it's hard to say like yeah there's you know, there's a comparison but they were farther along in their development so there is that but that said uh, for a high schooler to be rated that high on both you know ESPN and MLB Pipeline um, means it's got to be pretty damn good so yeah. you know he does obviously have that going for him very very talented um, but you're right he does fit that mold and. The Brewers haven't broken much from that mold over the last several years. Now, this is Matt Arnold's first summer at the helm during mm-hmm. a draft. I know you've got your, you know, you've got your scouts and you've got your, yeah. you know, Matt Arnold does not run the draft. That you're, he doesn't run the draft. I'm full, fully aware of that, but he runs the philosophy, correct? And so, I, I don't know. Like all I'm yeah. saying is that. Like, I, I don't know what wild card potential that throws into things. I know he's got his guys that he trusts to run the draft. And, like, I, yeah. I get that. I 100%. Todd Johnson is back at the helm running running the draft. He is. It is still the Matt Arnold era, though, of yeah. running the Could team. that so mean potentially? Could that mean potentially a pitcher in the first round? Yeah. Right. The Brewers, that, that's something that the Brewers have shied away from uh, in recent years. And let's be honest, for good reason, uh, the Brewers have not had much success drafting pitchers in the first round. Mm. Ethan Small's trending towards being a bust. Uh, their last guys before that, Cody Medeiros, bust. Taylor Youngman, bust. Jed Bradley, bust. Dylan Covey, didn't sign. Eric Arnett, major bust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Jeffress, okay, kind of. You got something out of him, but you traded him, kind of a roundabout thing. Mm. Mark Rogers, bust. Mike Jones, bust. 
those are all your first round pitchers of the century. Yeah. And that's a lot of busts. So it's understandable why they don't really go with pitching in the first round anymore. They've had a lot more success later on. But if they were to go pitching in the first round, Matt, there's really only one that could be there on the board that makes sense Mm -hmm. for Milwaukee, and that's Hurston Waldrip from the University of Florida. Yeah, he had an he had an exceptional an exceptional postseason uh, for Florida, taking them to the to the College World Series finals, and just if he's in the right pitching development program, which the Brewers have, yeah, he could be an ace. He mm. legitimately could. He has that upside, and the Brewers need high upside pitching in this system. They have Jacob Mizorowski. That's about it for high upside guys. And if you're going to be losing Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff for the next couple of years, you need more in your system. Because especially with how volatile pitching is, you need more. I'm going to say it. You need more bites at the apple to get solid pitching in the organization. And you can't just rely on Mizorowski. Because if Mizorowski fails or gets hurt or whatever, you need more arrows in the quiver to, to try to get those aces. And Hurston Waldrip is the only one who's likely to be on the board at 18, who could potentially be there, that is worth the pick at 18 overall. For sure. And reading his write-up, he's a guy who's easy to get excited about. Um, MLB Pipeline uh, describes him as right-hander with a legitimate three-pitch power mix, fastball slider, and splitter, uh, which is a 65-grade splitter. Um, We were just talking a couple weeks ago about how you just don't see those very often anymore. Um, anyway, with all three offerings having the potential to be at least above average, was sitting 95 to 99 miles per hour in his looks this fall, and that carried over into the spring, though he struggled to command the fastball at times. Um, his best secondary offering, they actually describe it as a split change, a well above average pitch that misses an extraordinary amount of bats. Um, he has a hard upper 80s slider that also flashes plus and can be an out pitch. So, yeah, definitely um a mix that could play well something that it seems could really mess with batters and you're right really the only one there that the brewers probably consider you have to go all the way down to 24 on uh pipelines rankings to find the next pure pitcher and he's a high schooler so yep not doing that pitcher not happening um and then even after that you're going down to 28 another high school pitcher now you're down to 37 and you know you're not you're not spending your first round draft pick on that so nope. yeah definitely unless something absolutely insane happened at the top of the draft um which there's not even that many pitchers at the top of the draft um you've got chase dollander at 10 uh, nine i'm sorry is the you know next highest one and he's not gonna fall down to the brewer so that's it no. that's that's your choice for the first round for sure i wouldn't be disappointed if the brewers took him because yeah um He's a guy that he could, I would imagine he could move up the system pretty quickly if he got drafted. Um, but again, like, do the Brewers go? There's so many. And one of your mock drafts, you had uh, referenced something that Keith Law said that I thought was uh, very interesting. Now I can't find it. There it is. Um, he says there are too many good college bats in the first round this year and not enough landing spots for them in the top 15. So three or four of them are going to end up in the second half of the round. And the teams that land them will be over the moon. That just feels yep. like a very Brewers thing to happen. With all of that happening, with so many guys that could go higher, not saying it's going to be a Garrett Mitchell situation, but with so many guys that could land higher ending up dropping, that just seems like perfect pickings for the Brewers. So it would be a little bit surprising because of that for them to go pitcher route as well. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't complain. If they, if they went Waldrop, I, I would not complain one bit. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. But yeah, like like you said, if there's a college hitter that's on the board, if, if there's a college shortstop there, like Matt Shaw or Tommy Troy or Jacob Gonzalez, and they're on the board and it's between the college hitter and Hurston Waldrip, I think the Brewers are going to go hitter. I, I, I just think yeah. that that's the direction they're going to go. If all those college hitters are gone, which again seems unlikely, uh, and you're down to, like, like let's say you're down to Hurston Waldrip, Nolan Shonwell and high school guys, you know, all the college up the middle guys 
are gone for some reason. It's down to Shonwell, it's down to Waldrip, and a bunch of high school hitters. Then maybe I could see them go go Waldrip, but I could also see them go Shonwell. Um, I could also see them just trying to stick with up the middle and, and just bite the bullet on a, on a high school guy. Because if all those college guys goes, go early, some of those top high school kids are going to end up dropping. So mm-hmm. whether it's someone like Colin Houck, who, who's rated like 12th, I think, on MLB yep. Pipeline, you know, then they might be like, okay, like like this could be a Bryce Terang scenario if, if that mm-hmm. happens, where a high school guy that they thought was going to go much earlier ends up falling into their laps, and they are and they're happy to take him. 2018, yeah. I, I don't think the plan was was high school was Bryce Terang. They thought he was going to be gone way before they got there. Yeah, and he ends up falling to them, and they're like, absolutely, yes, we're we're going to do this. So. That's how it could play out. There, there's a lot of different ways this this first round could play out. It's a very talented, very deep draft class. Um, th- this is a draft year for uh, the high school graduating class of 2020, where it was a shortened draft. So a lot of high school players who wouldn't have normally made it to college ended up getting to campus. Uh, so it's a very deep class of college hitters. And I have a hard time seeing the Brewers passing up college hitters in a very deep college hitter class. I think they're going to try to load up on them as, as many as they can, uh, especially early on, which is what they've done uh, historically. So Matt Shaw is one that makes the most sense to me. Tommy Troy is, is another one shortstop for Stanford, likely a third baseman ish at, at the next level. Uh, but he makes consistent, hard contact, great bat to ball skills, doesn't strike out much. Uh, great pick pitch rec- recognition. Uh, so he's another one that if he's on the board, I could definitely see the Brewers uh, pulling the trigger on on a Tommy Troy uh, here in the first round. Yeah. Um, and then I know kind of going around a little bit more of the uh, um, of the mock draft roundup. Um, we kind of named a few of them. Um, Jacob Gonzalez is kind of the other big one that was on there. Um, out of Old Miss, he is. See, here's the thing. I don't think they would pick Jacob Gonzalez if he's there, and here's why. He's, he's a slow. forty grade runner. Uh, <laughs> that is it. Yep. Yeah. He like he's he's so slow. They're they're like he's got no. He's got very little foot speed. Um, he probably isn't gonna be able to stick at shortstop long term because uh, he he has such bad foot speed. Um, and that's why he's been falling down the boards. Like typically he's been like a top 10 guy most of the spring. Um, and now as we're getting closer to the draft, he's falling a bit. So Gonzalez sounds a bit to me like Luis Arias, where you'd think he'd be faster, but he's really not. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's what it sounds like to me. Um, so like if, if someone else, like if Gonzalez is there and Troy is there, I feel like they'd go Troy. Um, just, Yeah, Gonzalez, he, he just doesn't have the, the speed, which means he's he really probably isn't that great of an athlete. And the Brewers love great athletes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something that uh, concerns me about Gonzalez. Um, one guy who is a great athlete that I actually would be concerned with if, if the Brewers pick is Enrique Bradfield Jr. out of mm-hmm. Vanderbilt. Center fielder, speedy as all hell. You think that Garrett Mitchell is mm-hmm. fast? Yep. I think Enrique Bradfield is faster. Mm-hmm. He like he might actually legitimately be faster. Uh, excellent speed, excellent defender in center field, which is going to play super well for the Brewers draft board. But I'm concerned about the bat, and I just yeah. don't think there's enough impact with it because the the bats has nowhere near the upside of any of the current Brewers outfielders of Mitchell, of Freelich, of Weimer, of Churio. And I mean, really, even uh, Luis Lara and, you know, going further down the the Brewers outfield pipeline, I don't see him cracking that lineup with with, with those guys. I I just I just don't see I don't think the bat has enough impact. And to me, it it seems like you're, you're drafting a guy who, you know, is not going to end up being a guy for you. And it, it just kind of seems like a, a waste to me, but he's uber athletic, super fast, can play center field. And I'm worried that, you know, that could push him very high on the Brewers board. And if even someone like Matt Shaw or Tommy Troy or, or Jacob Gonzalez uh, is, is there, that the Brewers could still end up taking Bradfield. 
Yeah, uh, I mean, if the Brewers wanted a player like that, they would have just kept Asteri Ruiz, right? Yeah. <laughs> Speedy that's outfielder. The, yeah, that's pretty much what he is. With a, with good fielding and the okay hit tool, and that's about it. Like, yeah, there you go, Asteri Ruiz. And they traded him because he wasn't going to be able to crack that outfield group. So, yeah. yeah they I, had I, their guys, and Asteri Ruiz was kind of a late addition. And, yep. Yeah. Yeah, and granted – that worked out very well for us. So I'm glad we did bring him yeah. in. And actually, it worked out pretty well for Oakland, too. Asteri Ruiz has done well. He has. Uh, he finally ended up dropping in the batting order, but he was leading off for a majority of the year up until only recently. Um, That's because he started to suck as a hitter, didn't he? Yeah, basically. As his uh, batting average started coming down, but he still got a billion steals, which is exactly why the A's wanted to bring him in. So, yeah, it's. I, I think we've pretty much gone through – who's Brewers type, who is sitting right around there. Um, yeah, we know who they target. We know the guys that kind of fit that mold. And um, it seems like most, the the Gonzalez looking into him more was a little surprising. And it was, I think, Bleacher Report that predicted it anyway. Yeah, so there you go. Consider the source, I guess. Um, but yeah, everyone else that's kind of floating around there seems very Brewers-y. Yeah, absolutely. I think it fits them, and uh, I think those are going to be the guys that, that they'll be looking at. If they do go high school, Kevin McGonigal makes a lot of sense. Maybe they could go a bit under slot with him. 18 might be a bit of a reach. Maybe you could take him there go a bit under slot. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. High school guys are hard to take under slot, uh, depending on where they are. Uh, Colt Emerson is another guy that I've heard that they've liked. Uh, high school shortstop out of Ohio. Another guy who kind of fits their mold, but again, high school, maybe could get him at 33. Uh, 33 overall is is another interesting pick. You know, they're in comp A very early on, and that's something that I think the Brewers could swing for upside, especially if they go safety with 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 a college hitter pick at 18. Then maybe you could go a high school guy. Uh, one hear- one name that that I've seen quite a bit. I know who's coming. You, you know who's coming? I know who's coming. I, I, might, I, I think I'm going to be changing it up on you. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, Trent Carraway is, is one that I've seen a little bit lately. Okay. He's a high school bat. Uh, I know who you're thinking. You're thinking Cole Carrig out sure of San Diego State. And I know I've talked him. about him quite a bit, but it seems like he's been falling down, down draft boards. I know MLB Pipeline okay. has him at like 47. Yep. But uh, Baseball America and Future Stars Series and a whole bunch of other ranking sites have him down around the 100 range. Uh, he seems to have been falling, had, had a bit of a rough spring. Mm. But uh, Trent Carraway, he's a Brewers area coder uh, at the Area Code Games Showcase. The Brewers have drafted someone from their Area Code Games Showcase teams every single year since 2005. So it stands to reason they're going to draft another one from there again. And Caraway is one that fits what the Brewers like. Uh, apparently, he came in for a private workout, uh, according to Future Star Series. So, and and that went super well. And we don't see a public list of of the players that the teams bring in for private draft workouts, which sucks because yeah. I'd love to see that. Uh, but but that list is not made public. We don't really know, but some insiders do, and they report. But Caraway had a workout. Brewers area coder. They have a relationship with him. Uh, he's an infield guy, probably a corner infielder, third baseman. Uh, but he's someone who I think could make a lot of sense for the Brewers uh, out of J. Sarah High School in California. Uh, third base, shortstop, super athlete, uh, squares up the ball, uh, good runner. So that's someone who I think could make a lot of sense there as an upside play. But otherwise, you got some college bats, Cole Carrig potentially. Um, Mitch Jeb out of uh, Michigan State. Uh, he's someone that I, that I like quite a bit. Jack Hurley, outfielder out of Virginia Tech. He's another one that, that I really like and I think would be a great play for the Brewers at, at 33. Five-tool upside. Uh, that's someone that, that I'll be looking for. If they double up on college bats, Jack Hurley is, is another one to look at, look at there at 33. Yeah. Yeah, um, I still, though, like, you got me all excited about Cole Carrig. So, yeah. even if they I still grab- am excited about Cole Carrig. Yeah. But I don't think he's going to be a, a 33rd overall guy. I think maybe maybe well, second round for him. 
that's exactly it. If he if he ends up dropping, um, you know, that could end up being a good get for the Brewers. Um, he, he's a speedster like they like, 60-grade run, 70-grade arm, and we'll get into that in just a second. Yeah. Um, hit well, got on base well at San Diego State. Guys who hit coming out of San Diego State, we know, uh, hey, that's always a great thing, right, Tony Gwynn? Um, he also, they mentioned how he, um, hit well in the Cape Cod league. And I know the Brewers love scouting Cape Cod league. Cause I've, I've seen plenty of guys that they've drafted and that's been a little snippet in yep. their profile having done well there. So that's where I could definitely see him, um, being a possibility. Um, but they mentioned about his, possibly his biggest, he can play multiple positions. He's listed as shortstop outfield catcher, which is crazy. Yeah. And they see his best potential might come behind the plate where he has a plus plus arm and had ripped 100 mile an hour throws um, from yep. shortstop in the outfield. So it goes to show you how much he could possibly just be an absolute force behind the plate gunning down. Uh, Sub 1.9 second pop times is just what he posted. Absolutely insane. And so. Elite. Up the middle defense, something the Brewers value, whether it's yep. catcher, whether it's shortstop, whether it's outfield. like And he can do all three. He can do all three. So yeah. it, It's like Craig Council's wet dream. Like, like that's, <laughs> it, it, Pretty much. If Craig Council could build a player in a lab, it would look something like Cole Carrick. It's certainly. Um, you know, the, the bats, there's there some questions about the bats. He makes a ton of contact. He doesn't walk much. He swings a lot, but he makes contact. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's something that uh, I think the Brewers like. Definitely contact over power. Uh, doesn't hit for much impact, but but he's got some power in there. Uh, so something that that can be refined and and worked on it as he just continues to make more contact. He'll run into home runs uh, soon enough. So Cole Carrig, I really like a lot. He screams Milwaukee Brewer to me. Just yeah. I don't I don't know how I don't know where exactly they're gonna take him, but that dude needs to be a Milwaukee Brewer. He he just has to. Uh, so I, I like Kerrig, uh, Mitch Jeb, Jack Hurley. Those are my those are my three big college hitters at 33 overall. Trent Caraway, Cooper Pratt uh, is a is a high school hitter that I really like as well uh, that could fit at 33. Um. And then a pitcher to keep an eye on at 33 overall, or even in the second round, Cade Keeler, right-handed pitcher out of Campbell University, the Campbell Fighting Camels, okay? (laughs) Cade Keeler really fits the profile of what the Brewers like in a pitcher. He's someone who's got excellent pitch metrics, uh, spin rate data, pitch shape, that kind of stuff, the, all the nerdy stuff that the Brewers like in, in their uh, pitching lab. Jacob Mizrowski, they drafted him because he had the best fastball metrics in the draft. And that's what Cade Keeler has this year. Uh, outstanding spin rates and carry on a four-seamer. Sitting mid-90s, peaking 98 miles an hour. Has some two-seamers. Plus pitch and a slider. Uh, has a cutter. Curveball, changeup, splitter, changeup. He's got a, he's got, got a full arsenal here, yeah. um, and you know what, whatever stuff he needs to work on here with, with locating his pitches and um, the, the the deception in his delivery. Deception is another thing the Brewers love. That's yeah. stuff that the Brewers can refine pretty easily in their pitching lab. And Keeler is is definitely a, a high upside kind of guy who I think the Brewers will be able to get the most out of. And he makes so much sense for the Brewers. I, I think this is a guy that they're going to be looking to target. Definitely. I could see them really, with all those pitches, I could see them really zeroing in on what his best ones are and turning them, making them even better than they are. Just yeah. focus on these ones because you are going to just kill it with all these. You will be able to dominate. And then they mentioned that, you know, um, he can provide deception, but his inconsistency repeating uh, his action hampers his command. Definitely something the Brewers could work on and get him focusing on those mechanics, focusing on repeating those mechanics in a good way. And then, yeah, just seems like someone that the pitching lab could potentially just be salivating a little bit at. Yeah, the, very deceptive, 
Um, kind of whole arms and legs coming at you. Um, yeah, but but the huge arsenal and just just the big velocity, the induced vertical break, riding like like, like all these all these fancy terms, uh, the shapes of it, but. With that kind of arm talent, yeah, that's something that they can get a lot out of. That's what we've seen them do with Jacob Mizorowski this year, and that's what we could see them do uh, once again. So Keeler is someone that I think fits the profile for them. So that's someone that I am watching as well uh, for 33 overall. And, Matt, it's it's going to be a fun night on draft night. They're, they're going to have three picks on day one, uh, a whole lot more on day two, and, and even more on, on day three. A lot of new names are going to be coming to the organization, and I could not be uh, more excited uh, for this year's draft. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. we got so much more content for it uh, coming up on ReviewingTheBrew.com. Um, and, uh, Matt, this is, uh, this is going to be fun. Yeah, this is your time of year for sure. I know you're a big draft guy, and um, it, it's still the, the, the last few drafts for the Brewers, there have been a lot of exciting guys coming in to the organization. Like We've seen a few of them now. Um, starting to get either to the big leagues or close to it in Weimer and Mitchell and Freelich and Terang now, even though he was a little bit farther back. But Eric Brown Jr. has been looking good now at uh, High A Wisconsin in between kind of some injuries. Mizorowski has just been dominating. Um, just Tyler Black, like we got to throw him out there, obviously, too. Like he, we'll see him as a brewer sooner or later. Like there's been some dudes who've been getting drafted in these first few uh, rounds by the Brewers. And so makes it even more exciting, especially on that first day to see who's going to come in. Uh, Cause they're guys who are going to be easy to get excited about real quick. Yeah. Todd Johnson has been uh, killing it these past few years. Um, so it's been, it's been a whole lot of fun to see this farm system continue to improve and just be stocked with prospects. Uh, we got three organizational needs uh, to address in this draft, also up on the site right now. Uh, you can check that out, reviewingthebrew.com. So much more coverage is going to be coming out over these next couple of days, getting you ready for the draft and then covering the draft itself um, and, and all the picks as they come in. So that's going to be a whole lot of fun. It's going to be a very busy time, very busy couple of days uh, for me. But uh, that'll do it for us on this on this podcast, and we'll recap the draft and everything else going on uh, next week uh, as well. So it's going to be uh, a lot to cover, a, a lot to go over. A lot of new faces are going to be joining the organization. And it's a very exciting time. And then right after we're done with that, trade deadline season is, is sure kicking up. Is. It, it's going to be kicking up. So it's, it's a lot going on at the same time. July is, is a very busy time of year. Couldn't be more excited for it, and we will see you again next time for another episode of the Cold Brew Podcast.